Good evening and greetings in Jesus' name. Now I know a little more what our brother expects, and I appreciate his comments. I got a phone call back in probably March or April. Do you remember when that was, Sherwin, was it? I got a phone call from California, and I was in the sugar house making syrup, so it must have been in March. And Sherwin says, we have a subject we would like for you to treat at the bank church on July the 23rd. I'm like, the Lord will probably return and we won't be here. Guess what? Here we are. The Lord hasn't returned yet, but he will. Guaranteed he will return one of these days. We won't be fulfilling our responsibilities. I thought about it this morning. Uh, I think it was in Sunday school. You know, one of these days, we're going to have said yes to teaching Sunday school, and there's going to be a Sunday that we're not going to be there. What's that going to be like? Well, the... When I was talking to Sherwin, I told him I would think about it, I'd pray about it, and I'd get back with him, and I had to try to think. He's in California. Let's see, what time do I call him? And I think he was just getting up and moving around when I did call him, it was like 10 or 11 o'clock. Is it three hours or four hours difference? Three? Okay. He gave me the subject of our responsibility of hand, handling God's time and money. He also said, I don't know how to say it exactly, it could be titled Handling Time and Money God's Way or Wise Use of God's Time. That's the thought. So, as I thought about it, as I prayed about it, let's see, I need to answer a couple questions first. I wrote down here, I said, why me to Sherman? He says, well, you've handled church finances for a number of years, as long as I can remember. And to answer your question, that's been, and it hasn't been for the conference, it's been for the inner district, for the Virginia, West Virginia districts is the funds that I've taken care of. And it's been 33 years. So how old were you then? You don't need to say. Um, two of the biggest funds that I take care of are the Brotherhood Aid Program and also our schools. The monies from the districts for the schools and Brotherhood Aid comes to me and then I disperse it. And as I was pulling in here this evening, I tried to think now about a million dollars now for the schools, for our six schools that we use in a year's time, and seven or eight hundred thousand for Brotherhood Aid. So, if I remember right back in 1990, the schools were using about 500,000. We have a couple more schools now than we did then, and there was probably about four or five hundred thousand for Brotherhood Aid. So if you took halfway between that and multiplied it by 75, what would you have? 
about 45 to 50 million dollars has been given to Brotherhood Aid and our schools that you're sending on before to glory, but we're using it on ourselves. Forty-five to fifty million has gone through the books since I started taking care of it. That's a lot of money. Well, what's my responsibility? What's our duty of handling God's time and money? And Sherwin already mentioned, you know, the mindset of our day today is it's mine, and it's mine to do with what I want to. Really? Is it really? Because I'm looking at Christians tonight, saints, blood-bought saints, those that are redeemed, peculiar people, pilgrims, strangers. Whose money is it? Whose things are they, they that we take care of? Are they mine? We've been bought with a price. We're just strangers here. We're passing through. We're, we're caretakers. We're stewards. So our responsibility of handling God's time and money. We have a responsibility as God's stewards, caretakers. We're not owners. We're not owners. Our world feels that way, though. They're owners. We're just stewards of the things God has entrusted to us. They've been given to me for tonight are time and money. There's a lot of other things that we can, could talk about that we are stewards of, but tonight it's about time and money. Now, my glasses, for some reason, are just wrong where I almost can't see my notes. You know what that's like? I either need them a little closer or a little further. So I might have to hold my notes. I did write some things down because I might get off on a limb if I don't stay by my notes. So the first thing I want to do tonight is I want to go to Scripture and see what the Scripture has to say. And then the second part of the message, I want to go to personal experience and things that have happened and give you some illustrations. So, why do we do the things that we do? Why do we believe what we believe? How much are we affected by the world around us or by the culture around us? Does the culture around us affect the way we handle our time and our money? If you have your Bibles, turn to, and I'm going to turn to a, a number of scriptures. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20 is where I want to go first. First Corinthians 6, verse 20. It says, for you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are 
God's. Whose? God's. We've been bought with a price. We are God's. So whose are the things that we have? God's. Plain and simple. Is that the way we treat them? 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1. The adult class at McDowell studied from 1 Peter. And this was one of the verses we studied. 1 Peter chapters 1 and 2. 1 Peter 1 verse 19. Actually there's a sentence that starts in verse 17 and goes through 21. It's five verses. It's one sentence. And so I hate to break in in the middle of a sentence. But the part that I want is in verse 19 that says... But with the precious blood of Christ, we are bought with the precious blood of Christ. Remember I said a while ago, we're blood-bought saints. We've been bought with a price. So what's our responsibility of handling God's time and money? How are we doing? We are stewards. What's a steward? <clears throat> A steward is a person that takes care of somebody else's things. So we're stewards of our time. We're stewards of our money. We're stewards of the things that we have. It's not ours, but God's. And if you remember <clears throat> this week, Wednesday, turn to verse uh, Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Wednesday in our Sunday school readings through the week, this verse, we read this verse, and I said, you know what, that fits with tonight. Exodus 19, verse 5. It was in our daily readings. And the Lord said unto Moses, <clears throat> Lo, I come to thee in a thick cloud. Uh, that, I'm not in the right chapter. Exodus 19, 5. I'm not at the right verse. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. There are those words peculiar again. We are a peculiar treasure. And the interesting thing is, is some of these principles are in the Old Testament and they're also in the New. You know, the Old Testament individuals, when they gave their hearts to the Lord, they were gods. And we're the same. The covenants and the sacrifices and some of those things we've been studying in Sunday school changed. But God's ownership didn't change from Old Testament to New Testament. That's interesting. So we're stewards, we're not our own. But let's turn to Psalm 24 for another verse, thinking about God being the owner. Psalm 24, verse one. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And then, Psalm 50, verse 10. 
For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. So it's not just the things that we have or we are, it's the whole world. It's even the animals out in the wild and the animals that we might have. All the earth is mine. So how are we using God's earth? How are we taking care of it? And I thought about, you know, when we were young, when we were small, when we were little, we learned to share. Maybe it was toys, but we learned to share. Did it come automatic? Did we share automatically? Because that's the way we, God made us? No. We had to learn it. We had to be taught it. And, and I encourage you parents, teach your children how to share when they're young because it makes it a lot easier when you get older. We're creatures of habit. It doesn't come natural. We were taught and learned a lot of things when we were young. With responsibility comes accountability. So with responsibility, we're more accountable. Turn into the New Testament to Luke 19. Luke 19, verse 13. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. What does it mean to occupy? Just sit around and do nothing? It means be busy. Occupy till I come. Be busy. We're busy people. We're, ta we're busy taking care of God's things. Right? Occupy till I come. Luke 16. Back up a couple pages in your Bible to Luke 16, verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, money matters, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? So God is calling us to faithfulness. Faithfulness. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. First Corinthians 4 and verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We all like faithful workers, don't we? We all like faithful wives, faithful husbands, faithful children. This verse says, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And I, we didn't quite look at this verse in Matthew 6, but turn to Matthew 6 
Sherwin took our thoughts to that verse, to a verse in Matthew 6, but I want to look at 19 to 21. Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount, 19 to 21. Where's our heart? Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon, treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's the verse that Sherwin used. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So where's our heart? There's a lot more verses we could look at. Uh, and you know, I've heard people say, if I just had a few more hours in the day that I could do da-da-da, you fill in the blanks. Two more hours. We all have 24 hours in a day, and it's for good reason. That's the way God made it. That's the way God planned it. Because if we work too long, we'll wear out. But I've heard people say, if I just had two more hours, I could finish this job. Well, we can finish it tomorrow, and if the Lord returns, it won't matter if we don't get it done. 24 hours a day are for our good. We need to sleep and rest and work. And we'll talk a little bit about that some more here in a little bit. Another aspect of handling God's time and money is integrity, honesty. It's an Old Testament principle. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 25. Deuteronomy 25 and verse 15. Deuteronomy 25:15. But thou shalt have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure shalt thou have that thy days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So even in the Old Testament, they were taught just weights, just measures. Proverbs. Turn to Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11, verse 1. Shires of blessings on the outside. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 11, verse 1. A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. So here again we have the idea and the thought of just weights. And the New Testament says, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right? And so... If we want just weights and measures, that's the way we operate. Extra, just weights and measures. Now go to the New Testament to Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 17. 
says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And you know, when you're honest all the time, you don't have to try to remember who you cheated, right? Because you're always honest. Honesty. And we need to teach our children honesty. Integrity. Can we be trusted? <clears throat> Can you be trusted? Can I be trusted? Are we as good as our word? You know, some of those things are changing in our world today. Um, do we need a contract for integrity? No. You know, any more contracts may not prove anything in the end. When we moved to Highland County 19 years ago from Elkton, we uh, engaged a carpenter to put an addition on our house, and I told him I would like a contract because I didn't know him. But the community told me he was an upright person, he was a good carpenter, et cetera, et cetera. Well, guess what? We paid double for that addition than what we should have. We were outsiders, no contract. So instead of $100 a foot back then, square foot, it was $200 a square foot. But we didn't know that till it was done. So then what do you do? You pay the bill, right? We be, we're honest. You know, we ask them to do the job. But we learn things along, and you know, we don't recommend those individuals to the next person that comes along, do we? Do we need a signed contract to hold us to honesty? No. I mean, I remember years ago when, when you said something to someone, that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly how it was. Not anymore. Not anymore, but it should be for the saints. It should be for us. Well, this is down a little different line, but it's thinking about our responsibility in handling God's time and money. Uh, most of you probably remember six, eight years ago when Obamacare was introduced. Do you remember some of the things that we had to go through as a church for our Brotherhood Aid Program? No, you probably don't because you weren't handling the finances. Well, the government required six things to be in place for us to use our Brotherhood Aid program as a health care sharing ministry. There were six things that we needed to qualify. Five of them we just naturally did. But the sixth one was you need your books audited by a public accountant. And so my heart sank. My books need to be audited. Okay. So would you like to know what the 10 things were I need to take to the auditor? 
I'm going to give them to you. And some of this won't mean much to you, but I want I wanted to give you an idea of what the Finance Committee had to go through so that our Brotherhood Aid program qualified for the health care sharing ministries, uh, that we could use it. And the government saw it as um, legit. And to this day, in uh, probably October of last year, 2022, I asked the accountant that's been doing it now for six, eight years. I said, do we have to still do it? Obamacare is being phased out, but do we still need to do it? And he looked it up in all the thick government stuff, and there it was. We still need to do it. So the requirements are still there. As soon as we don't have to do it, we won't because it's a $4,750 bill. I think the first year was 4300 is what it cost to get this audit done. But here's what needs to, get, needs to happen. The auditor wants copies of the meetings of the minutes for the Interdistrict Finance Committee from October of the year that it's being audited to November of the next year. So it's about 15 months. They want the minutes from the Finance Committee. And what they did was they took those minutes where we record all the disbursements and the figures of the Brotherhood Aid. It also talks about all the things that we discussed in our meetings and they went through all that stuff with a fine tooth comb. So minutes, they wanted the bank statements, the canceled checks from the same time period, for about 15 months. They wanted deposit tickets and all deposits for the same time frame. They wanted all the invoices, if any, of all administrative expenses, and that's none. So they didn't get anything on that one because we don't have any administrative, administrative expenses. They wanted the names of the individuals that had authority to sign the bank accounts. They wanted the ledger pages for the 15 months. They wanted a copy of the internal audit that we do on all of our books every year, which is somebody, might be me, Dwayne, or somebody in our brotherhood that does an internal audit. They want to see that audit. They want a copy of it. They want a list of all the deacons that were active in the past fiscal year. They want their phone numbers, their addresses, their email addresses. They want to know what all banks were used, where Brotherhood Aid monies were kept, so that they could contact the banking institutions and verify anything that they saw in the minutes, in the ledger pages, they had any questions, but it was to verify where the church business was done. Now this is the one, the, this is the last one I'm going to tell you about is not something that they asked for, it's then something that they did from the information that I gave them. They compiled a list, a random list of Brotherhood Aid payments 
for the past 12 months, the amounts and the person that it was given to and the date that it was given or written. And the at random went through, let's say, 300 disbursements and picked out 50. They sent me the list and they said, we want you to write down who the deacon is for this member, all 50 of them. Okay, then they took that paper and they sent to Lyndon five or six of your all's brotherhood aid payments. And what he was to do was verify the amount, the date, and, and check them all and send them back to them. And every deacon in our conference had to do the same thing. Well, you know what was hard for me? When I went through those 50 names, there was a few names I wasn't sure which congregation they were a part of. And so I had to think, now who called me that one eight months ago? Who is Norma Herndonez? Do you know? Where did she go to church? Well, that's part of what I had to do. Then they, they sent it to the deacons. But what the deacons had to do, what that did for the deacons is made sure the deacons are taking, keeping good records. Because if they weren't keeping good records, guess what? They called the treasurer. Did you send me a check for $4,200 on such and such a date for whoever it was? Yes. Taking care of the things God has given us. How about slothfulness, laziness? Is that the way God wants us to take care of his time and money? God wants us productive while we're here, while we can. I found an interesting verse in Ecclesiastes. Turn to Ecclesiastes, and you wonder what does Ecclesiastes have in for us tonight, in, in it for us tonight. Ecclesiastes 10, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Chapter 10 and verse 18. By much slothfulness the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands the house droppeth through. What happens if you have a vent pipe up through the ceiling of your house and the rubber garment that's on it and caulked around starts leaking? You don't know it until you see a spot on the ceiling or the, maybe the drywall starts, paper starts coming off. What do we do? Just let it go, it'll be okay. Is that what we do? This verse says that's what the slothful person would do. <clears throat> we had that to happen in our house. <clears throat> My wife says, I think there's a leak in the roof. Well, that's exactly what it was. It was that around the vent pipe, 
the cut, and it was letting a little moisture through, and you could see it upstairs. If we don't fix it, if you don't fix it, you soon have more to fix. It's soon rafters and sheeting and whole ceiling. The same thing happens in our lives. If we don't take care of the things that need to be taken care of, our life decays. God wants to be busy. He doesn't want us slothful. He wants us taking care of the problems, the things that need attention. So what happens to the things we take care of when they fall apart? You just let them go? That piece of machinery, that chain just needs to be fixed because it's, if you laid it out on the floor, it would make a, about a half moon. And you farmers know that if a chain makes a half moon, it's shot, right? Do you replace it? Oh yeah, it's a little extra long. It wears your sprockets. Next thing, it's gonna jump off. We take care of those problems. We don't just let them go. Is it like the gardener who was praised one time for his, his and God's beautiful garden? He said, we well, should have seen it last year when God had it all to himself. God can't take care of our gardens. He can water it. He can make it grow, sunshine. I was talking to a brother this morning that said, what do we do? We have a neighbor in the community that had a little baby and he understands their flower beds and their garden are weeds. You can't even see the plants that are supposed to be in there growing. What do you do? What happens if we're lazy, if we're slothful? Now there's times that we need help to get some of these things done. And we get older and we have aches and pains and so what happens? What happens when a deer jumps out in front of our pickup and crunch? How do we respond? What do we say? Whose was it? Whose pickup was it? Did we get all bent out of shape? We shouldn't. those things happen and what's my response you know do I face it with the with the attitude that I'm to be a good steward of what God gives me to take care of no we don't like it that the deer jumped out in front of us but we couldn't avoid it how do we respond the verse says we are not our own we are bought with a price precious blood of Jesus but how do these things affect us? How attached are we to the things around us, the things that we have? Are we willing to forego them, let them go for God's glory? All right, you ready for part two? Part two of tonight's thoughts, how God's word works out in our families is what I want to look at the second part. How does God's word as it relates to time and money, 
How does this affect our families? How does it affect me in the things that we do? And some of these illustrations are going to be from the past and some of them are present. Time. I'm going to look at time first. I remember at a young age that my parents took us visiting. Sometimes it was in the evening, sometimes it was other times. They took us visiting in the community where we lived and they took us visiting in the community around our church. And that, at that time, was Temple Hill. How many of you remember Temple Hill? A few of you older folks. Temple Hill is not there anymore. They tore it down. It was over across the Blue Ridge Mountain, right along 33, long before you get to Standardsville, soon after you get to the bottom of the mountain. Well, in 68, my father was ordained minister, and so we were sent downstream to Mount Hermon. So we did a lot of visiting in that community. We did a lot of visiting in our home community. We did work projects for people. There were times we took loaves of bread along with us, a fresh peach pie, or maybe it was strawberry pie, depending on what the season was, and we visited. And I encourage you all as families, as parents with younger children, young children, we were little when we went to some of these places and did things. We also sang. There was times that we sang before we left. We did it as a family. And these experiences made impressions. They make impressions on young lives. And you know, we're creatures of habit. If we do it often enough, our children will expect it. And I'll tell you some more of it as I go along. So what happened when my wife and I got married? We started following our parents' example. We visited, we sang, we did work projects for people without pay. And you know, this thing without pay is almost a thing of the past anymore, but we still need to do it. It teaches our children uh, service and service things that we can do for others. The problem I have now is my children are all married and we have grandchildren, but I still have people calling and wanting little jobs done. So now my problem is do you charge or you just do it? Do some of both. Remember, we're being an example to our children and how they relate to their Heavenly Father. Whose time is it? It's God's. And I, our children remember, we had five, our children remember these times and they could give you, they could reminisce to you experiences that they had while we were on some of these projects. And I don't know how many of you are used to frying your apples in lard. Have you ever had fried apples in lard? There was a certain place in Mutton Hollow 
Jesse and Ruby Knights. Ruby was a member, and she was in her upper 60s and mid-70s during this time. And her husband, Jesse, was not a member. He was older, and he was crippled from age six. He had polio, and he was a crippled man. And so there was a lot of things he couldn't do. Well, when we would go there, we were not to take lunch boxes. Uh, Ruby wanted to fix us a meal when we were there working over mealtime. And so my boys especially remember those fried apples. And so there were times when they would say, Papa, when are we going to do another work project at Jesse Knight's? I said, why? I'm hungry for fried apples and lard and her scratch biscuits and gravy. They weren't able to fix that stuff for us, but they wanted to. And they would have missed a blessing if we would have taken our lunch boxes. Because I think the first time we did, and they said, nope, put the lunchbox back in the vehicle. I had a phone call the other day from a, a family, a couple that we visited 20, 30, 40 years ago, uh, wanting to know when we're coming to see them, when we're over this way. We go to see them occasionally, and that's why I say 20, 30, 40 years, because we visit them over the years and still do. But it makes impressions on people that last. But if we don't do it, we don't make those impressions. But it's for God's glory. It's His time. And now, our grandchildren, I hear, are helping their parents do work projects, go visiting, sing for people. What a blessing. What a blessing. Now, let's go to the, the other part, the money part. Our responsibility of handling God's money. In the past, I remember my parents when we were small, before we could understand tithing, they gave us a quarter to put in the basket on Sunday. They taught us to give. Well, as time went on, we understood that a whole lot more, and they would give us some money, and we would put some of it in our bank, and some of it we would put in the offering. And I don't know how many of you all did this, but I remember growing up shelling lima beans and peas for $5 a quart Cool Whip jug. For every Cool Whip bowl, quart size, that we shelled full of lima beans, my mom would give us five cents. And when you do 20, 30 quarts in a day, that adds up. And 50 plus years ago, five cents was a lot of money. And we were thankful for it. But we were taught 
to give. We were taught to save. We were taught to give. Uh, I still enjoy shelling lima beans and peas. Guess what? We had fun doing it. My mother, and some of you all know my mother, she's still living. On days that she picked lima beans and peas, my father couldn't have us till the beans were shelled. And there was four of us boys. My mom could pick beans. And she would pick a five-gallon bucket, and then we would sit and shell them while she picked the next five-gallon bucket. And I, I don't remember the amount of time, but I think it took her probably 20 minutes, maybe a half hour, to get another five-gallon bucket. And so we shelled beans as fast as we could, and we weren't to bruise them, right? My mom did not like bruised lima beans, which meant you were going too fast. But we were to get, we, we wanted to get that five-gallon bucket of lima beans shelled so that we could play, shoot basketball, ride bike, whatever, till she got the next ones ready. And if we goofed off, we didn't get done in time. She'd bring us the next bucket and go fill another one. And we would have to work hard to catch up. But it was still fun. We learned to shell lima beans, and we learned to enjoy it. Teaching responsibility, teaching accountability. We rewarded our children similar to the way I was taught. And now our children are rewarding their children for good work. <laughs> Things that they do, they're practicing what they learned. What a blessing. Turn to Romans 14. For a final verse, Romans 14, verse 12. Why is all this important? Why is it important what we, how we live, how we teach, how we train, how we take care of the things that God gives us? Romans 14, 12. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Ooh. One of these days, we will all give an account for what we've done and for how we've taken care of the things God has given to us, that God has entrusted to us. Why is it important? Because we're going to give an account to God. Yeah, when we're small, we give account to mama or to daddy. But in eternity, we will give account to God. So God bless you as you fulfill the responsibility of handling God's time and money. Thank you.